Well, our message this morning is part of a series we are doing called Origins. And by way of introduction, let me say that the, the, the place we started with this series was making this statement. It matters where it comes from. And I gave the example of somebody who has this wonderful new microwave oven that they're really happy with and showing all their friends. And it was given to them as a free gift by the representative of the electronics company. But only later did they find out that actually it wasn't a free gift, that the, uh, the rep who'd given him the, uh, the microwave oven had actually taken it from the company, had been accused of theft. And suddenly, this nice new microwave oven that you've got in your kitchen that you thought was so wonderful and was a free gift suddenly turns out to be stolen property. What do you do then? Perhaps you're not so keen to show it off to everybody after that. You see, it matters where things come from. Their origin makes a difference. And that's why we're doing a series on origins. And today, this is our fourth in this series, and we're looking at uh, the first part of the Bible and we're looking at one aspect in particular, and that is the origins of society. Now, from a Bible point of view, there are two societies. There's people's society for themselves, and actually that quite often includes a lot of religion. And then there is God's society for people. The first one, human society, is called in Bible terms, society or the world, depending on your Bible translation. The second one is called the kingdom of God. And interestingly enough, that has no human religion in it at all. But it does have the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the questions for us today are, where do these societies come from, and how can we be sure we are living in and living according to the right one today. So let's read the scripture. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 4. It will come up on the screens for you. And this is the story of what happened to Adam and Eve's son Cain after he'd killed his brother and so on. So then Cain went out. This is Genesis 4, 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had relations with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now, to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad became the father of Mehudajel, and Mehudajel became the father of Methushael. And Methushael, I should have practiced this first, shouldn't I? And Methushael became the father of Lamech. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. As for Zillah, she also gave birth to Tubal-Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naama. Lamech said to his two wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice. You wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech, for I killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech, 77-fold. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Father, 
Speak to our hearts now through your word. Examine us by your spirit, Lord, and show us where you're from and when, where we are from. In Jesus' name, amen. So you'll notice something that happens in the book of Genesis. When we read these early chapters, and by the way, they are some of the most important chapters in the Bible, and you'll find often, as we've seen in some of these weeks, the Lord Jesus himself teaches directly out of them to show us his way and God's will for our lives. And you'll notice something that happens in Genesis, and it's this. It's called distancing. As people develop, they get distanced. First of all, from God, then the husband and wife get distanced, and then people get more distant from each other. That's the effect of living without God in our lives. That's the effect of what the Bible calls sin. Sin causes us to get distance from God and distance from one another, and even distance from ourselves inside our own hearts and lives. Now, the original society on earth, uh, the kingdom of God, was actually called the Garden of Eden. That was the original society where the man and woman lived. And the mission or the job of the man and woman in the garden was to grow the garden and make it bigger so that one day the garden would take up the whole earth. That's, that's the mission. That's the job. That's the purpose. That's the idea for the human race through that first man and woman. Now, when sin entered in, everything changed. And the garden becomes a distant memory. The garden starts to be forgotten about. People move away from the garden, and as a result, they live differently. Adam and Eve have to leave the garden and move out of it. And here's their son, Cain. Now that he's murdered his own brother over the issue of an offering and he got jealous and all kinds of things happened to him, he not only moves out of the garden, now he moves away from his mum and dad. Now he moves away from the rest of his family. And now he moves away to a place a long way from the garden on his own. And the Bible says one other thing about that moving away. He moved away from the presence of the Lord. That's what happens to people in their lives, in our lives, when we don't live God's way. We end up being separated and distancing ourselves, first from God, then from our families, and then from everybody else. Now, this is the point at which we see the development or the beginning or the roots of human society, what the Bible calls the world. And you'll notice where it starts. You'll notice where its origin is. Its origin is away from the presence of God. So we're going to follow this story for a few generations and see what happens to human beings once they start to develop a lifestyle of their own, independent from and away from the presence of God. And this should help us to understand our own world today. And it should especially help us to know what we give approval to and what we don't. What we line up with in our lives and what we don't line up with in our lives. And this isn't a party political broadcast for anybody, but in less than two weeks, our nation's going to the polls. And we're part of that. 
This should help us understand some of the issues. And we don't tell you here how to vote. We wouldn't do that. That's not our place or our purpose. But we do want to make you aware of important issues. And you'll find some of those here in Genesis chapter 4. Now, as we look at this in more detail, here's the secret. The secret is a bit like the dedication we had up here this morning. The secret to understanding these chapters is in people's names. You'll notice that Eddie and Becca chose names for their children that weren't just nice-sounding names or the latest person to win X Factor or something like that. They chose names with meaning. They chose names with relevance. They chose names that speak over that person's life for what they want to see them develop and become. And that's how it was with names in the Bible. Names were really important. They said something prophetic about the person very often. So the first name to look at the word, the first name to look at is Enoch. And there are various Enochs in the Bible. This Enoch is not the good Enoch. There's another Enoch, and you'll maybe be familiar with him if you're familiar with the Bible. This is a different one. And it says this, and he built a city, and he called the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now the name Enoch means dedication. But if we get dedication wrong, instead of being dedicated to God, we will end up being dedicated to ourselves. And that's what this guy is all about. So the first thing to look at is Enoch, dedication to self. And this tells us something about the kind of society that people build for themselves. As sin is distancing people from each other, do you notice something strange here? People build cities. Now, this is not a preach against cities, since we live in one. But it is a commentary on how people live together. Cities were what people built. Now, at the end of the Bible, God also has a city. So God is able to redeem cities. Right? You're clear about that. Because all the architects and town planners here are going to worry they're going to be out of a job in heaven otherwise. There is a heaven and there are streets for you still to plan, Sarah. It's all right. But the original thought of a city was to bring people together and live in close proximity because sin was distancing them. So the idea is if we pile everybody in close together, then maybe we relate together better. Maybe we can support one another better. Maybe we can work together better. Maybe there's more fun together. Now, that's not quite how it's worked out. Um, Take a look at our cities today. Often it's our cities that are the centre of crime, and homelessness, and so many social problems that we see. Now, I know those things exist out in the countryside as well, but cities in particular seem to be very often, uh, at least in some parts and in some cities, magnets for trouble, magnets for difficulty. And I was trying to witness to somebody one day on the streets of London. 11 million people. This person was surrounded by 11 million people, and yet they felt so alone in the world. How can you be surrounded by 11 million people and yet be totally on your own? That's that's what happens to us in society. And cities on their own are not a remedy for that. So they built cities. And let me say this. It's easy to get lost in a city. It's easy to be lost in a city. I once tried navigating through Liverpool. Got hopelessly lost. Ended up some neighbourhood called Moss Side, I think it was. Does that exist in Liverpool? I think that's what the sign said, Andy. 
Oh, that's Manchester, is it? Well, we were a long way from it. Toxteth, that's the one, yes. It was some rough neighbourhood anyway, and we had to ask these rough kids how to get us out of there. We hoped. We, we, we escaped eventually. It's easy to get lost in a city. It's easy to get lost in yourself in a city. It's easy to be lost in life, surrounded by all those people. Now, as I said before, Enoch means dedicated. And it shows us how Cain and his son are dedicated to building something in their own effort, but without God in the mix. And that leads to problems. What they're dedicated to is human ideas, human effort, human achievement, human building of things, human goals, and human ends. Remember, we've moved away from the presence of the Lord here. Now, instead of commitment to God at the center of their lives, there is now a commitment to themselves. You can't do both. It's a commitment to what I can achieve, uh, a dedication to my own self-made plans and efforts. So we've got two ways of living now, and you can summarize those two ways of living by where you find them, garden or city. Ask yourself for a moment, where would you rather live? A nice garden or a city? Now, the next part of our story comes four generations further. When we get to a guy called Lamech, And this is my second point. Lamech is a guy who breaks all the rules. So if Enoch Enoch was a guy who was dedicated to himself and what he could do without God, Lamech is a guy who breaks all the rules. And this is four generations down the line. And this shows you how things continue in family lines. And it shows you the power of tradition in families and the power of influence in families. That's why we're dedicating children to the Lord here this morning. Because... When there's a good influence in a family, it extends generation to generation to generation to generation. How many generations have we got here today, Joyce? Four generations. Wow, four generations. That's awesome. Great grandma. Isn't that amazing? Congratulations, Joyce. I think Joyce deserves a, a round of applause for that. There's not many of us who claim that one. And it shows you the good influence that can come through family lines when we see something like that this morning. But this also shows us the other kind of influence that can come through family lines, away from the presence of the Lord. And sin is still continuing to distance people at this point. Now, the curious thing is, nobody knows what the name Lamech means. It's not a Hebrew word. The best we can come up with is someone who brings things low. Someone who strikes things down. Other scholars suggest it means a wild man. So if you want the whole meaning, a wild guy who strikes things down. Now, Lamech is going up against all the principles of creation. They're not that far removed, time-wise, from Adam and Eve. And yet, Lamech is breaking all the rules. Here's how he breaks the rules. The first thing he does is he starts taking more than one wife. Now, the principle in creation was one man, one woman, inseparable for life. So what does Lamech do? He decides, I'm going to have two wives. And not only does he do that, he's brazen about it. He tells everybody. He parades this thing around. He's decided that marriage is going to be what I say it is, not what God says it is. 
And then he's going to tell everybody, hey, I've redefined marriage, and this is what I say it is, and you're all going to have to put up with it. Does any of that sound familiar to you at all? That's not the garden. That's not the kingdom, but it is the city of men. And the second thing he's done to break all the rules is he's looked at people, his own flesh and blood, and he's killed one of them. We said earlier in our talks that if we, if we truly saw each other as made by God, the way we treat each other, whether it's opening a door for each other or giving up a seat on a bus or helping each other out financially, everything would change if we saw each person as made in the image of God. And yet here, Lamech kills a man. And not only does he kill a man, he's brazen about it. He actually writes a song. You, you can't see it in the original here, but what he's written is, is like a, a, a song or a poem to his wife saying, he got what was coming to him. You know, you may be married to an older guy, but I took this young guy on and, and sorted him out for you. Whatever this young guy did to him, he struck him down and then he was proud of it. And he again paraded that in front of everybody. Can we see where unforgiveness and hardness of heart leads to? Can we see what kind of society that builds when people are hard-hearted towards each other and unforgiving? Now, it says here, if Cain, in verse 24, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. Do you remember in the Gospels, if you read the Bible at all, if you've been there, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he's annoying me, irritating me, doing things I don't like, doing things against me? Up to seven times a day. That's not bad. That's about once every three and a bit hours, isn't it, if you do the math? Jesus said not seven times, but 77 times. Now, why does Jesus say 77 times there? I believe he's referring back to here. I believe he's saying that's how human beings have built their lives. They have built a society where they're unforgiving and hard-hearted and they take revenge on each other, either with their tongues or with their actions or even the ultimate revenge, which is to take another person's life. And Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, do you want to live like that? Do you want to live where you just forgive seven times or do you want to be part of a society that's constantly forgiving, that's soft-hearted, that's good-hearted, that builds people back in, that forgives mistakes and works with people to do better? What kind of society do you want to be in, Peter? That's why I believe he said that. And I believe he's undoing something in the spiritual realms when he says that. He's challenging a passed-on feature of the human race of this unforgiveness and hardness of heart. Lamech became a self-justifying, rule-breaking revenge-taker. And he had no conscience about it at all. That's not the garden. That's not the kingdom. Now, a curious thing happens here. Lamech has three sons. And his three sons all have similar names. Jabal, Jubal, and Tubal. I think mum and dad were running out of inspiration there. I'm glad (laughs) Eddie and Becky had a bit more variety in that. We do know one family that called their son Nathan and liked it so much they called their second son Nathaniel which is kind of confusing when you say, Nate, come here, the two boys. 
Now, the names are all similar of these three sons, and here's what they did. One of them, it says, became the father of people who dwell in tents and keep livestock. The other became the father of those who play instruments and make music on the pipes. And the third one became the father of those who make uh, tools and instruments out of bronze and metal. So out of this family line from Cain that's moved away from the presence of God, that's dedicated to doing things its own way in its own strength, out of Lamech who's conscienceless, hard-hearted and unforgiving, who breaks the rules wherever he can, out of that comes three sons who give us the forerunners of commerce, technology and entertainment. This is what people do for themselves. They set themselves up to make money through business and commerce. They set themselves up to build a better world with tools and technology. And they set themselves up to have entertainment. Three great planks of our society and what people are about. Now, are those things bad? Well, in themselves, no, but they can be bad if you have those things away from the presence of God. Storing up, getting wealth for yourself, dedicated to yourself, is not good. Being prosperous in the Lord is great. Gives you the ability to live well and bless others and give to others. Entertainment. Well, there are all kinds of entertainment around the world, most of which I don't feel able to partake in in any way, shape, or form. And you probably feel exactly the same. And then... There's technology. There, there's a, an over-reliance on technology sometimes. I went to a meeting once, and I remember the meetings back before technology came along. And what we would do, we would sit in meetings. We would have, like, desks or chairs there, and we did this strange thing. We call it, we call it talking to each other. So some years later, I'm meeting with... A similar group of people, some of the people are the same in the same sort of meeting. And when I get there, they all open up their computers, and I have lovely fellowships with the backs of their computers. And I can see the Apple sign on some, and the Dell sign on others, and the Microsoft sign on others. And this was it. This was it. Everybody had their heads down in their technology. Nobody's looking at each other, but we're all having nice fellowship with our computers. And the ultimate I got to was sitting in a meeting, and about just over a meter away on the bench was a guy who just discovered Twitter. And he sent this message on Twitter. But what he didn't realize was, I'm not on Twitter. And the message says, hey, Clive, I'm in a meeting listening to so-and-so speaking. And that message went out of his phone all the way to Canada, because I think it was a Blackberry he was on, and all the way back to the UK. And it should have got to me, but it didn't quite. But I was only four feet away. He could have lent over and said, hey, are you enjoying the meeting? But it's much more fun to send it through the phone, wasn't it, rather than actually talk to me in the same room, although I suppose that would have interrupted the speaker. Listen, we can get an over-reliance on technology. And it stops us really living. We used to try and train our young people at school not to over-rely even on modern conveniences. We used to take them to wild places like North Wales and places where there were no flush toilets, and we used to have a porta potty there. Have you ever come across one of those? We won't go into detail now because you're going to have lunch later. But um, we used to teach them to get their water from a stream and boil it to make it pure. Do you know what? You learn a lot about life through those things. 
You learn a lot about each other. You learn a lot about yourself. It's amazing to see city kids frightened at first, but really find themselves in a new way just by doing a few simple basic jobs in life and not an over-reliance on tools and technology and so on. Now, none of these things are bad in themselves. But if we use them and if we look to them and if we are dedicated to them away from the presence of God, they will entrap us. They will become part of a society that instead of doing us good, actually divides us even more. At one point, they were talking about society being divided between those that had access and those that didn't. Maybe that's just a little lesson in what this can do for us. This all came out of the city and not the garden. Now, where does that take us then? The third name I want to look at is another guy. His name's very similar to the first one. His name's Enosh. Enosh and Enoch, very different guys and very different meanings. Enosh means human or humane. And I call this Enosh a new hope. And on the one hand is the society that's grown up around Cain, away from the presence of the Lord. And on the other hand, Adam and Eve have a new son to replace Seth replace, sorry, Abel. And Seth comes along, and Seth means appointed or anointed by God. This one is appointed by God to do it differently. And his appointment is to father a race of people that one day Jesus Christ will come to, and through that race of people to come to the whole earth, including us here today. And he has a son called Enosh. And Enosh, as I said, means human or humane. So on the one hand, there's the society over here which is inhumane, which is cold and hard-hearted and relies on its own efforts and is distancing all the time from each other, even when it tries to press people together. And on the other hand, there's this society here with Enosh, which is kinder, gentler, forgiving, loving, humane. And it says just one thing about that society. It says in the Bible, and from that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. How about that? All of this stuff over here in this society, and just one thing over here, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the kinder, better, more humane society of the garden that God is trying to rebuild so that one day Christ can come and spread the garden and spread that society throughout the whole earth. It's what we're part of here today. And the question for us is, where do we want to live? See, a society that calls on the name of the Lord has faith, has worship, has a relationship with God. It's not distance from God, but is near to God. And they're near to each other. Let me explain to you how this works just in one simple relationship. John Carey, come and help me here. 
Now, I'd like you to stand, sort of, Joe, if you can stand in front of, of Andy there. Carrie, if you can stand sort of over here by Kaz, that's right. And go, go, go to them and turn around and face me. That's it. That's it, that is. Okay, Steve, I'm going to need you here. You've got to be God for a moment, if that's all right. You've done a good job already today, so okay. Right, now, here is Joe and Carrie, and here's their relationship. They recently got married, by the way, so you know, this. very good. They're still smiling. That's even better. And from those very early times, relationships have been distanced, including men and women. But look, as they both take a step towards God, if you could do that for me, what happens to them? Take another step towards God. Take one more step towards God and come up higher. There you go. See, that's what, that's what we're... That's it. You got it. You got it. I love having intelligent people on the stage. Thank you very much. That's what this is all about. The only way we'll ever get people back together, the only way we'll ever create that kind of society that this city is wanting to create and claims to create and does all kinds of publicity about creating, but never can do that spiritually or realistically speaking, the only way that can happen in this world is for men and women to come nearer to God. And as we draw nearer to God, that brings us nearer to each other. That restores relationship. And that's where Enosh started. He started from the point of view of being a decent, kind, forgiving, soft-hearted person towards other people and restoring his relationship with God. And as a result of that, a new line came about, and it was those men that called on the name of the Lord. It was his descendants that didn't want to live away from the presence of the Lord, but wanted to come back to God and live close to God and close to each other. And that's our challenge today. What kind of world are we building? What kind of world we want to live in? The city or the garden? What are we giving our approval to? What are we clapping and saying, yes, isn't that great to? The city or the garden? The society of men? or the society of God? The kingdom of men, or the kingdom of God? Where do you want to live today? Let's pray, shall we? I want to offer us a chance to respond if you've seen something this morning. If your eyes have been opened, your heart's been opened, and you've seen and understood something, perhaps for the first time. And it's an opportunity, I want to offer us an opportunity response in, in, in a couple of different ways. The first one is, if you've been trying to live straddled between the city and the garden, that's not a great place to be. Really, you have to be completely living in the garden or you're out of it. You can't do a halfway Mondays and Tuesdays in the city and Wednesdays and Thursdays in the garden and so on. It has to be one or the other. And If you feel your life's been like that, I'll offer you a chance to step closer to God this morning. Draw nearer to him and say, God, I want to live in your society the best society, the society that Jesus comes to. 
a society that doesn't break all the rules and is not dedicated to itself and doesn't, is not in love with the things of this world, but is in love with God. A society that, instead of loving things and using people, a society that loves people and uses things. If you want to make a response to the Lord like that this morning, we're just going to do that now. And the second response is this. If you know you're living in the wrong kingdom and you want to change, it's in your heart to get out of that kingdom and get into God's kingdom, which is kinder, more forgiving, and has an eternal destiny at the end of it that's good. I want to offer you a chance to do that as well. You can say to God this morning, Lord, I want to change kingdoms. I want to step into the garden kingdom. I want to step in to the life that you want me to lead, which is that so much better life. And we do that through Jesus. We do that through asking Jesus to forgive us and to come into our lives. So, while our heads are bowed, we're praying. If you want to respond by doing either of those things, being fully decisive about which kingdom you're living in or stepping into Jesus' kingdom for the first time. Just want to invite you to raise your hand right now as a sign to God. You're saying, God, I want to be sure which kingdom I'm in. I want to be sure which way of life I'm living. If anybody wants to do that, please raise their hand. If nobody else is looking, I just want to see so I can pray for you. People over here, yes, God bless you. 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 Hand here, thank you for that hand. See the hand, yes, here as well. Thank you, here as well, thank you. Could we please stand while we pray together? Father, thank you this morning that Jesus came to this earth. Thank you that he came to bring in what should have always happened, the kingdom of God. A kinder, better better related, nearer together, nearer to God way of living. Lord, we pray this morning you will wash away from us every sense of living in the wrong kingdom, every sense of getting our origins from the wrong place. Lord, forgive us when we are short with people and impatient with people and hard-hearted with people. Lord, Forgive us this morning when we act and react like the wrong kingdom. Lord, we pray you will put a spirit in us that lives by a better kingdom, that doesn't want to break all the rules and doesn't want to be dedicated to self, but wants to call upon the name of the Lord at all times and in all situations. Father, I pray, put such a spirit on us today that we would be like that kingdom, It's a kingdom of faith that believes God is there, that believes we can call on him, that believes he does amazing things, that believes he will move in our lives, that believes he will make the difference, that believes that God will see us through even when the situations look impossible. Father, that's the kingdom we want to come to today and have in our hearts and be in in our lives. Lord, we ask you now for your spirit to come on us with great grace,
with great empowering so that we can live by and live in that kingdom and stand for that kingdom this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if I could ask you to just pray one more thing for me, and that's to pray for our nation before we finish. As we go to the polls in a week or so's time, a week and a half's time, there are a lot of things at stake in our nation. We've seen various things happen uh, with the Manchester situation recently. We're more distant from each other in so many ways. I don't want to pray for any particular party to win. I want to pray for us to be lights in this nation, that God's will will be done in the election, and that we would do God's will, not just in the way we vote, but in the way we are with people, and that what we stand for and everything we do, that we will be a better voice in our nation than any of the manifest. I've got all the leaflets came through my door recently. I pray we'll be a better message than any of those leaflets I got through the door, well-meaning as some of them are. Let's just raise our hands for the Lord. Lord, we thank you for our nation. And we pray at this time you'll visit us with peace, with help from above. Lord, we pray that you will cause your people in the nation, those that live in your kingdom, to shine like lights, to speak boldly, to speak clearly, and stand for what is good and true and right and best in you. To speak up for the gospel to speak up for God's ways and God's will. Lord, we pray that your hand will be on our nation at this time, that you will visit us in and through this election, that, Lord, out of this time, there will be a greater stirring for turning back to you in our nation. Lord, we want to see men and women move nearer to God like we saw just here and therefore move nearer to each other. We want to see people united in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God, by living in the right nation and the right kingdom, by living according to the right principles and values, by living according to your word. And Father, we pray today, come by your Spirit, have mercy on our nation, forgive and heal our lands and do good to us at this time. We pray for all our political leaders. Lord, we pray you would visit every one of them. We pray every one of them would have changes of heart. We pray every one of them would have a heart that's more like that good kingdom that we've just seen. Lord, we pray every one of them will have softer hearts and hearts that are open to the things of God and the right ways of God. Father, we pray, raise up men and women in this country who will stand for the truth, who will speak up for Jesus Christ and will speak out for the ordinary people in this land, for what is best and right and true in the kingdom of God. Father, we pray, help us be that kind of person at this time, especially in our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you very much. God bless you.